0: Do you know what the most popular sport in Australia is? As organised team sports go, apparently football, soccer, edges out netball these days. But there's lots of individual sports that can make a reasonable claim to golf, cycling, jogging, walking. And one which lobby groups have claimed many times is the most popular participation sport in Australia, fishing. The claim goes something like, well, most Australians have at some time in their lives gone fishing. And that's probably true, but I suspect that most Australians have also at some point in their lives ridden a bicycle, swum, kicked some sort of football and played backyard cricket too. So perhaps the claim that fishing is the most popular participant sport is not quite right. But it does show that most Australians know about fishing, right? I remember going fishing on a school excursion when I was in year one at school. We'd done a unit of work on the topic under the sea. So we went on a bus to the old Sydney fish markets where you could meet real fishermen. I remember it was quite interesting and we even got to taste some Balmain bugs. And it's hard to appreciate how exotic such a thing was in 1974. And most of the class didn't dare taste the little cubes of white flesh that were offered to us. And after the visit to the markets, we had a picnic in a park at Greenwich, I think it was Greenwich, and then we all went fishing. Everyone had to bring a fishing reel, and the teacher supplied the bait, two packets of bloodworms. It probably seemed like a great activity when it was being planned, but in practice, 36-year-olds fumbling with sharp hooks was not a good idea. Even today, I feel sorry for the teacher and the two mothers who'd come along to help, who ended up having to apply band-aids to stabbed fingers, remove hooks lodged in school uniforms and slide worms onto almost all hooks. In the unofficial competition amongst the children, a boy named Ashley Brown came first and he caught a leather jacket. He was pretty big as a six-year-old. Um, And I was the only other one to have caught something that day, and I caught a coat hanger. Ashley got to take his leather jacket home, but sadly I had to leave my coat hanger in a bin. Now, I share this story not just because it is my greatest sporting achievement, but as a reminder that we all know what fishing's like. We all know about rods and reels and hooks and sinkers and bait and the long wait and the moments of excitement if we're lucky, and we know about the boredom, and so often we know about the disappointment. So when we read in Matthew's Gospel a story about some people who were fishermen, and who Jesus told he would make them fishers of men, we can sort of relate to it, can't we? But I think we can run into a problem when we look at today's Gospel reading, because we all know about fishing. We all know what Jesus was talking about to the disciples he was calling, right? But I think we have a modern recreational experience of fishing, which is quite different from the experience of Simon and Andrew. And I don't think that the fishing that most of us know is the fishing that the fishermen of Jesus' time knew. So what was the experience of Simon and Andrew? Those that Jesus said he would make them fish for people, or in the traditional translations, those he would make fishers of men. To put it in context, this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Verse 15 and 14 and 15 tell us, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent! and believe the good news. So the kingdom of God has come near. Good news. And remarkably, the proclamation of the good news wasn't to be done by Jesus alone. And we read in verse 16, as Jesus walked along the shore of Lake Galilee, he saw two brothers who were fishermen, Simon, who would later be called Peter, and his brother Andrew, catching fish in the lake with a net. They were fishermen. They weren't people who went fishing when they were on holiday or on the weekends. Fishing was their job. They didn't bait hooks or dangle lures or cast flies in the hope of tricking fish into biting their hook, but but rather they methodically harvested Lake Galilee. They would have cast out a net in a place where their experience and observation would indicate to them that there were fish, and they would haul the net in and harvest their catch. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. We need to remember when Jesus talks about teaching them to fish for people, he's talking about fishing in the way that Simon and Andrew knew, not in the way that most of us know today. It's not recreational. It's not simply for fun, but it's a job and it's a serious thing. And that's not to say it shouldn't be a rewarding job or even a fun job, at least sometimes. But it would also be, at least sometimes, hard work. It would be unpleasant work and even disappointing work. But immediately they left their nets and followed him. They dropped what they were doing and they followed Jesus. We don't know why exactly. We don't have an account of a convincing argument or a compelling miracle. But we know that they did. Effectively, they gave up their way of life to follow Jesus. And in a way, if you think about it, they gave up who they were. I mean, even today, we so often define people by what they do. But Simon and Andrew gave up being fishermen to become fishers of men, fishers of people. Then we read that Jesus went a little farther. He saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And sure enough, the work of the fishermen was not just casting nets and hauling in catches, but it was also preparing and repairing the nets. And it would have also involved maintaining and repairing the boats, transporting the catch to market and selling the catch to achieve the highest possible price. The stuff of being a fisherman is not just pulling fish out of the sea. And once again, we read that Jesus called these brothers. And what And at once they left the boat and their father and went with him. And once again, the brothers dropped what they were doing, this time leaving their father behind and went and followed Jesus. In the case of Simon and Andrew, and then in the case of James and John, they stopped what they were doing and started to follow Jesus. They stopped being fishermen and followed Jesus to become fishers of people. They went to join Jesus in his mission. In the Gospel accounts, we don't hear that there was anything special about these four men. They weren't, as far as we know, great speakers or philosophic thinkers or even particularly devout. They weren't rabbis or scribes or teachers of the law. They were fishermen, average people, just as it is with us. We're not called to be followers of Christ because of what we can do. We're not called because we have particular skills to use to build up the church or spread the Gospel. It is, of course, our privilege and even our responsibility to use what gifts we have for the mission of the church. But we're not called because of those gifts. So Jesus says to those fishermen, come with me and I will teach you to catch people. And here's where our modern understanding of fishing can easily become an issue. I think sometimes we modern Christians can take a recreational fishing approach to the mission of our church. I commented earlier that we all know what fishing's like. We know about rods and reels and hooks and sinkers and bait and the long wait and the moments of excitement if we're lucky. We know the boredom, we know the disappointment. And our mission can be like that. The rods and the reels, the paraphernalia of mission, the videos, the audiovisual systems, the pamphlets and so on. We like to have a lot of those on hand as many fishermen will tell you. If a fishing rod's good, then two is better and three or four or five is better still. And our hooks and bait, well, our church signs and websites are the obvious ones. And then there's our various outreach events, which sometimes can just end up being an event where success ends up being the headcount rather than the outreach as such. We hope that they work. We really do. Just like we hope the signs really work and just like the we hope the ads in the local paper at Christmas time really work. And sometimes they do. But just like with the fishing we know, there's long waits for even a nibble. There's very few who make it as far as the side of the boat to the church, and even fewer are brought on board to come to know Jesus. Mostly, just like with most experience of fishing, it's disappointing. But that's not the experience that Simon, Andrew, James and John had of fishing and nor the experience they had of following Jesus. Their experience of fishing wasn't sitting around in a boat, tossing a line out and hoping for the best. They weren't recreational fishers. It was their job they fished for a living. It may have been enjoyable and fulfilling, but it wasn't something they just did occasionally when they had some free time. It was something that they were committed to. They prepared and they maintained their nets. They travelled to where the fish were. They cast their nets and they hauled them in. And it was all important. They could have had the best nets in the world, but caught nothing if they didn't go where they knew the fish would be. They wouldn't have ended up with any fish if they hadn't hauled the nets in and Even the best fishing techniques would be useless if the nets themselves weren't up to the job of just holding the fish. And I think that's how we need to be when we're thinking about fishing for people in the 21st century. And rather than sitting in our church buildings waiting for a bite on the line for a person to wander in the front door, we need to go to where the people are in some way And that doesn't mean going to New Guinea or Africa as missionaries, for most of us at least. It is a sad fact that most people around us don't know God. Maybe they haven't heard the gospel or maybe they've rejected it in the past. But really for us to go where people are is not very difficult at all. It simply involves us not retreating into our churches, to be out there meeting people, talking to people. COVID, of course, has certainly made it harder, but there are still opportunities. Our neighbours, our classmates, our colleagues and co-workers, fellow members of our clubs, perhaps the people at the shops. It's, It's all a bit scary to do that. But the good news of Jesus is the best news that we've received. And we know that when we have good news in the rest of our lives, we we want to share it. The operation was a success. I'm going on a great holiday after COVID. My daughter did well at school. So really, we should share the gospel, not because we have to, but because we want to and because we're committed to doing it. And at one level, it's a simple message, but at another, it's quite a daunting one. But it is, as I've said before, a message that the whole world needs to hear. The good news of God in Jesus, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. And all the world needs to do in response to that good news is repent. Stop doing the bad things and believe in the good news. Put their trust and hope and faith in Jesus. And we as followers of Christ get to share that good news, to be part of that mission. And to do that, We need to be fishers of people, not in terms of metaphorically baiting a hook and casting it out into the water and then waiting patiently for the odd nibble. That's not the sort of fishing that Simon, Andrew, James and John carried out in Lake Galilee. We need to do our fishing for people seriously. We need to do it confidently and we need to do it prayerfully and faithfully. And we need to trust in Jesus to empower and equip us for that mission because Jesus says to each one of us, come with me and I will teach you to fish for people. Amen.